presenter. It's for a presentation about video games, I think, to kind of buyers for video game shops and wholesalers and things. So, a bit perplexed at why they don't use images from the actual games themselves. But um, So, I'm producing kind of uh, environment illustrations. But they're going to animate them slightly. So, I'm producing them in layers. and So, it's going to kind of look a little bit like those um, kind of paper theatre type things. But yeah. with my style of drawing, um, but they just take they just take me so long because everything I do is completely analog. So I'm kind of sketching everything out and getting it approved, and then tracing the individual bits it, that that go on each layer, and then transferring that to paper and inking it. So um, yeah, it's taking me quite a while, but it's going all right. It's it's also quite a bit of stuff that's out of my comfort zone, kind of modern. I want to do a modern view of San Francisco in one point perspective. And today I've been drawing Humvees and Black Hawk helicopters. So a bit different. Yeah, that's, a bit totally, tricky. that's totally different to what you normally draw. Yeah, and it's weird when you start drawing different stuff, you kind of lose a sense of your style, or at least I think I have. Um, it's difficult, really. I don't really know what my style is if I'm drawing a Humvee. Yeah. Um, also I don't feel when I'm doing this sort of thing I'm never quite as not that my work's particularly sort of loose or expressive but it's even less so when I'm working on a commission but you know I'm quite happy with that I drew some really nice mountains today which I'm very pleased with so yeah but basically been um, been working on that all week really um, yeah about you um well, after last week was the end of these triple website shenanigans. Mm. So I finished three websites uh, and then I went to the in-laws with um, Kitty. I had took Friday off. I had a day off, Rob. Good on you. Yeah. And um, I went down there and we had a few beers and a couple of glasses of wine, maybe. And I had the most horrific hangover on Friday. <laughs> and uh, I, I just been thinking, you know, sometimes when you finish really busy periods in your life and you just take a little time out, everything yeah. sort of seems to just collapse around it you. It does. You quite um, often get ill, don't you? When yeah. You stop being busy. Yeah. Um, I, 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 just rem- I just felt dead drunk. <laughs> I had to go to bed. <laughs> so, um, so the next day I had Bloody Mary in the middle of the day I, I, I can't remember the last time I had a Bloody Mary they're really good aren't they they are good yeah, did it to... have the full works did it have um, celery salt and a stick yeah. of celery and some horseradish in it yeah it didn't have um, it didn't have horseradish it didn't have celery in it had celery salt in it had a lot of pepper around the edge which I wasn't too happy about mm. um, but um, it had cucumber in it which is a bit odd isn't it oh yeah it's but... almost like a gazpacho yeah, it was. It was more like that. It was very nice. I went to South Sea and I went to the aquarium. I took my little one there and I went with yeah. um, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law who've got a little one as well. He's uh, about five months younger than Kitty. So um, okay. it was lots of fun. Alid. Yeah. Yeah. So I spent the weekend with them, which was great. Uh, came back, paint, paint, came back on my own for a day on Saturday, painted the kitchen ready for the um, carpenter who's been in this week. Colour. So that's a grey. 
Is it I, well, like no, elephant's breath or something? No, no. Oh, well, the colour of the kit. No, it's white yeah. walls. I've just been painting okay. white just to keep it nice and clean. And then, yeah, no, the kitchen's grey. Mm, nice. Yeah. It's this week's <laughs> colour. It is. Uh, so well, I've been doing that. Um, yeah, and we went to the New Forest on Sunday. Um, and I went to and visit Arthur Conan Doyle's grave in Minstead. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. little church there. Um, and he's buried uh standing up really yeah apparently so why um, is that i a lot of facts were thrown at me during that day <laughs> um and i haven't checked what they are i mean I, he was, I was told he was a scientologist but i don't think scientology began till the 1950s or 60s did it uh, no, absolutely so, not. It was Hubbard, wasn't it? That invented yeah. It. So uh, I didn't think I, but I did. I didn't want to say anything. So I just, I haven't looked it up. But he was definitely a spiritualist, wasn't he? He was. Um, yeah. And one of the stories was told that he was buried outside the church bounds, and now the church has grown outside him. But I, again, it is right on the edge of the graveyard. But I'm not sure that's true either. But I have to check it out. Yeah, I haven't, haven't had. T- he was a mm. fascinating bloke. We could almost have an entire episode just on Arthur Conan yeah, Doyle. Absolutely, uh, cricket cricketer, goalkeeper for Portsmouth, Cottingley uh, Fairies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, Arthur and George, good book by Julian Barnes about yeah. a murder in Birmingham somewhere. Who's yeah. the George? It's George is the chap who gets accused of, mur- I think, of murdering. Um, He's a he's an Indian who's living in Birmingham in the eighteen eighties, I think. Mm. And gets accused of uh, murdering someone in the in a village, um, and it's all about early police detecting. Um, oh, yes, yes. I, I haven't read it for a long time, so I like that kind of thing. Yeah, and Julian Barnes is well worth dipping into. Yeah, um, yeah. So what have I done? Oh, I registered VAT this week, so that's been. I'm I'm now VAT registered. Lovely. Uh, yeah wasn't very complicated and not very exciting. Uh, I des- I designed some infographics. Have you heard of infographics? It's, no, it's, I don't know what are these it's things. A, it's a buzz thing. Uh, everywhere, <laughs> everyone's into them these days. I, I love it when companies get the uh, the buzz buzzwords um, of some stuff I've been doing about six years ago. I think yeah. it was. But uh, so yeah, designed some infographics, which I quite like actually doing data. Um, uh, met a new client um, and. Uh, yeah, that was interesting. I wrote some brand guidelines. I've been nice. busy. I've been busy. Yeah, I thought I didn't think I'd you. have anything on this week, but uh, but it's still still ticking along. But it's really nice not to be under pressure, you know, under time pressure for a big project where it all yeah. it's all on my shoulders. Um, it's really, I feel a relief. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Have you managed to get in any swimming this week? Or? No, I've done a done a run or two, but um, Ooh. but no, no, I've just you been have, mainly with been. the carpenter doing working out things that weren't fitting and all sorts of things. Measure uh, twice, cut once, John. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm more of the cut twice, measure once brigade. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I had a big fridge turn up today and I sent you a photo of some um, some choice typography in it. You did? What is going on with that Sam, fridge? It's a Samsung fridge. I've, I don't know what, I, you know, what am I doing? Is it internet connected? No, it's not. No, you'd have thought it was. It was beeping and chirping away. But uh, yeah, it's got some absolutely horrific typography on it and terrible copywriting for, you know, a big company that's based, you know, that has offices in the UK. They they could do with a copy editor. <clears throat> Strange, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You best explain. Look, that, that well, there's a box. There's a box in the door um, and uh, it 
it's cool and there's it's i don't know what it's for i mean we're never going to use it and it's kind of set in the most really accidents grotesque or something like that anyway and um or helvetica style um and um it's called a grab and go basket but they've put the grabben is so it's g r a b apostrophe n space g o so it's a grab and go i don't know what a grabben is is it? A t- <laughs> it's a kind Sounds of like, like a little sw- swamp frog that yeah. um, that you can put in there in your in your fetid water. <laughs> uh, yeah, how and, curious! Yeah, and then it's got a um, uh, what was it called? A cool a cool select zone for vegetable singular. So whatever prize vegetable you've got, um, an enormous onion. Yeah, or a pumpkin, or um, a schnozcumber. How, how big's your fridge? Uh, it's quite big. It's six yeah. foot tall. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you been in it? Did you get in it? Uh, I tried to put Kitty in it. Um, she wasn't having it, uh, and uh, and it's grey, Rob, as well. Oh, okay, of course. Because <laughs> uh. we're on, we're on brand, aren't we? Yeah. And 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 in between all of that, even even that, I've been watching House of Cards on a kind I of started, you know I like a, watching it. Yeah, like a like sort of um, just bolting it down. Yeah. Quite enjoying I've, I've, it. I've had a few episodes of that while I've been working. What, what, Brilliant. How, how have you made it? Yeah. It's, um, it's, it jumps the shark quite rapidly in <laughs> towards the end of season two. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't, I just, it's one of those things where you don't know if you should like Frank or not. I mean, yeah. he's, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's despicable. He, he is, yeah. but charismatic. I yeah. guess like many politicians. Uh, it's fun, absolutely enjoying it to the yeah, yes. So thank you for recommending that. Actually, well, I, it was recommended by um, Aladdin Abbey. Ah, thank you, Aladdin Abbey. <clears throat> um, yeah. What, so, what else have you been up to? Weddings and things. Mm, wedding tomorrow. Uh, wedding tomorrow morning over at uh, Great Foster's, I think. Right near Egham. Near Egham. Um, and then the rest of the weekend is free, I think. Well, I'm sure Steph will have some meetings and I've got some work to do, so it's not that free. Um, but no, I haven't really done that much else. Just just trying. Yeah. That's good. Well, it, it is, yeah. I've got gradually more productive as the week's gone on. You know, we've talked before about uh, kind of the, the paralysing nature of pressure sometimes. And it kind of builds and builds and builds, and then the, the dam kind of breaks. And you used to have to kind of go. So I got to that point. Welcome, listeners, to episode 26 of North v South, the podcast about, but not always about, design. Yes, so this week... You put an talking... always in there now. You're at, you're adding to the brand. I did you, you didn't run that past me. Hang on, I'm going to have to write that down. Always. <laughs> Okay. Just ad-libbing. I'll adjust, ad-libbing. I'll adjust the guidelines. They're, they're, they're here somewhere <laughs> under a pile of You're paper. right in the mood, aren't you, for guidelines? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're going to talk um, We're going to talk a bit about kind of what's been going on in the news. And then later on in the show, we're going to talk about secret places. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. So looking forward to Definitely. Which um, is kind of... Um, uh, triggered by my visit, a uh, visit I made to one of my favourite places this week. So I'll tell you all about that in a bit. But um, design news, or news, news yep. of a design, but not a design nature. 
Yeah, I've um, I've really failed on that this week. Um, no, I, uh, I love your first story. <laughs> my first story. I won't say what it. Well, it was in the Guardian, and it was um, uh, it's a report of um, it's more it's design sort of uh, when design goes horribly wrong, uh, and it's robot hoovers ridiculous things right but uh actually abby and allied have got one that hides under their sofa yeah but they um, are supposed to be getting better aren't they but this, yeah yeah this, this is one an issue. this one here yeah this is an issue if you've got pets who have um loose bowels um <laughs> so this person had written in complaining that uh the robot had come out to hoover at one o'clock in the morning but uh un- unbeknownst to it the uh the their pet i don't know whether it was a cat or a dog, a dog. A dog. Uh, had um had delivered some parcels all over the floor so it then pursued, <laughs> proceeded to spend the next sort of 12 hours just moving this poo um on its wheel on its on its treads of its wheels all around the room and they'd drawn a little picture if you look at the link in the show <laughs> notes of the uh of the trail of shame uh they said so, it was like a jackson pollock didn't they yeah so probably best and uh, the response from roomba who who uh who's um the manufacturer of the of the vacuum cleaner said that they they get this a lot um and you just thought common sense might intervene there but having seen uh, my wife sending me a picture of somebody who'd had a harry potter tattoo um put on their head uh during a holiday break um there's not really much hope for the human race is there is that like a little lightning bolt on their forehead yeah oh dear were they in magaluf yeah somewhere like that jeez (laughs) (laughs) they'll be turning up on tattoo fixers soon (laughs) yeah i don't know um uh, maybe a a a, a saber scar from a dueling encounter (laughs) Yeah, the German barons. We've all got one of those. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so if you've got a robot Hoover and a pet, um, you might want to program there, uh, or just make sure that they they don't um, stay in the same room together. Yeah, dear me, that sounds bad. That would be an awful thing to wake up to. <laughs> Imagine waking up to that if you had a hangover. Oh, it's bad enough waking up to a two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> My first bit of news is something that I think I saw on Wired.com, which is a Twitter account called Uncharted Atlas, um, which is my new favorite Twitter account. And it uses a bot and some script, um, a JavaScript code and GitHub and Python generator code and all sorts of things to generate. Can you explain what all those are, please, Rob? No. No, I th- I th- <laughs> no, you can you can put that in the show notes, John. <laughs> um, and it uses um, all that that magic to generate imaginary or maps of imaginary places, and it puts place names on and, and kind of titles them, and it's fantastic. I mean, we we both love maps. I think there's more maps coming up later in the episode, but it's I, I th- the the weird thing is that. It's a a bot that's doing it. It's software that's generating it. Obviously, to a parameters set set out by a a human, and you know that's how the the names are generated based on human you know input somehow. Yeah. But it's just, I think they're amazing. I mean, they're really weird. You know, the 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 latest one on the Twitter account is 
the uh, the plains of South Icasmus, and it's got names like uh, Pissil Misty, uh, Ipima. Um, Do you know the girl from there? <laughs> I can sing you a song about that. Um, but I think they're great. I mean, I love maps, and I love imaginary maps and maps of you know a lot of the rings maps and things like that. Um, and I just think these lovely little things. They're really, really good. And what, great much better, maps, I hadn't looked at them until now. They look, they look much, much better than I thought they would do. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is the place names are completely incomprehensible. But They are mostly, um, yeah. But yeah, no, I love it. I love it. They're like something out of a Neil Stevenson novel. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, really impressed. And it's really weird coincidence that I've chosen my website of the week um, later on. Uh, comes back to maps. Yeah. That's complete coincidence. Because uh, I'd had that in for last week, but we uh, we were talking. Oh, okay. We talked way too long, didn't we? Yeah, it was great last week's episode. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Google Duo is a new app that you might mm. want to try if you've got parents on Android, as they want to do, or vice versa. Um, or if you want to talk through your Samsung fridge. Um, <laughs> so uh, it's a cross-platform video calling app, just like FaceTime. could be really interesting. Uh, in that it's only trying to do one thing because mm. Skype's a bit rubbish at uh, video. Um, although if you're presenting things on a screen, it's quite it's good for video sharing, but it's a bit yeah. too complicated and not everyone's got FaceTime. So, yeah, give it a go. It's only on mobile, I think, at the moment. Is it on? Um, is there a Windows version? Oh, what? oh I, don't, I don't know. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? it? I saw it, talking about Windows version, 99% of all mobile phone, smartphone operating systems are um, either Android or iOS. So, really? Yeah, so Windows So they probably is, won't bother with a Windows one. I would say that that might not be worth it. But oh. you never know. Um, and that's that, that, that number's going to diminish, isn't it? Um, it is, you'd imagine. The other video thing I've been watching is um, someone that we talked about, we talk about almost every episode, Ian McHugh. Uh, there's a free video masterclass out there yeah, at the moment. And I saw it, this, I ha- but I haven't watched it yet. Uh, I've, I'm sort of midway through it. It's quite long, it's two hours. Um, and he is basically doing a live drawing or painting masterclass at something called IAMAG. I don't know what yeah. that is. This is, I, thing in, I th- this is a thing in Paris, isn't it, I think? Is it? I think so. I haven't really read what it was. The site's horrible, so it just pains me to watch it. But you can't yeah. watch it anywhere else because it's embedded in the in yeah. the actual site. Uh, but it's it, it's available for till tomorrow. So get over there and watch him work. And it's really nice to um, see you know sort of hear the real person behind the the drawings. And he, he, yeah, he's really he's really honest and open and. Uh, shy and human um something that you wouldn't think he would be because he's so amazing <laughs> at art. But he's uh, and there's lots of uh incidents with you know he because it's a french keyboard he can't use it and he's getting quite frustrated <laughs> um but yeah it's really good it's really good i thought he was scottish but he's from sunderland yeah yeah there's, there's a whole little bunch of guys that i follow on twitter they kind of all know each other and they're all from the northeast um, and they all used to work at Rockstar. Um, right. A lot of them used to work at Rockstar or other video games companies up in the northeast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have to try and um, squeeze that in tomorrow. I think the 
after it's it's free for forty eight hours, and then I think it goes up to seventy five quid to wow. to access to access the digital content for that site. Uh, um, I, I I mean. I don't think I don't I don't think the the stuff you know the production level isn't very good um yeah. and uh, it's like you know it's hard to see the picture because the angle they've got on the Cintiq isn't very good it should be just the live feed from the Cintiq really with yeah. a, with an like you know how Apple do their presentations there are plenty of good ways to do it aren't they yeah it's hard to see him drawing because it's so mm. blue but it's just him talking is the most interesting thing. It's like that uh, that BBC Four series that was I can't remember what the, what was it called something like What Do Artists Do All Day? And there's oh a, yes. there's a Frank Quiet Quietly. Oh, one, I love that one. Who's just great. Um, yeah. and, and and it's very similar. He's very decided, you know, just very um, down, not down on himself, but um, sort of humble. Yeah, humble. Yeah, humble in you know, um, despite their staggering talent yeah the harry potter like wand <laughs> magic <laughs> they they yes. are they are you know they they what comes out you know with they're just looking at the control of their pen and how loosely they draw but they draw things that are, just have such form and weight is just astonishing to see yeah so yeah it, it, you've got about 12 hours <laughs> Or you, or you have to pay about 70 qu- what was it 70 yeah. quid yeah i think that That's gets just you naughty. the digital the digital access to everything that was at that um, yeah. kind of conference. Right. Um, yeah. Um, my next bit of news is another uh, article I found on the interweb, which ties in with tonight's theme, um, which is uh, from Port magazine, a kind of hipsterish men's, I guess it's a men's magazine, isn't it, Port? Um, I've never heard of it. It's a very nice magazine. It's very sort of swish, full of very expensive adverts. Uh, but this is an article in the travel and adventure section section about um, written by Ed Stafford, who was the first human, a British guy, the first human to walk the length of the Amazon. Um, and he's writing about Iki, Iquitos in Peru, which is a city of half a million people in the middle of the Amazon. And it's right on the Amazon River. And it's the largest city on Earth that has no roads going in or out of it. And the only way you can get there is um, a boat on the Amazon. And I just thought it was amazing that you could have, in this sort of day and age, even in the depths of the Amazon, that you could have a city so big. I mean, what's that? It's the sort of size of Leeds or something, isn't it? Um, with no road access. And it just staggered me. And it's... Uh, uh, renowned apparently because it's the home of the most beautiful women in the world. Really? He finishes he finishes his article. It's only a short little article. He says, and yes, some of the most beautiful women on the planet do indeed live there. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, it's again, it's one of those sort of places that you think, oh, I've got to know more about it. I mean, it's yeah. just it's like half a million people. It's like something out of a sci-fi novel, isn't it? That you could it only is. access it by spaceship yeah. or whatever. Yeah. When when I was a kid, we went to Hong Kong. We had friend, uh, family friends who'd moved out there, and so I went there in late seventies. And we they had a company junk. They had access to that, mm. so we went to all the little islands where you could only get. You know, re- they had restaurants that were only accessible by boat. Yeah. And uh, I just was fascinated by that as a kid. You know, what, how much how how much custom do they get? But there were lots of boats around. Yeah, but but yeah, amazing. I love these communities that. Are, only accessible by things that 
were predate cars. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fab. There's a little aerial map of it at the head of the article, yeah. and it's it's just surrounded by, you know, lush rainforest. Looks great. Well, so long, long may that last. Iquitos in Peru. Uh, I I put one in. I think this is quite interesting. It has no relevance to the now, but I think the the last two journalists have left. Uh, this is one of those stories that just annoys me uh, that I'm always talking about, but it's in the Guardian who are becoming just as lazy as all the other news feed places. That's because they've got no money, isn't it? You know, they have to do the cheap stuff. Right. But they've got access to amazing photography, which is the best thing about this article. But basically the, what they're claiming is the two, the last two j- journalists are still working in uh, London's fleet street are leaving on Friday, which was on the 5th of August. So um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and there's a link to the actual original story there, but this one's just a, and then it just, it's just a list of, um, of photography from fleet, the fleet street era. Uh, but there's some fantastic images there of people doing, you know, typesetters setting the, uh, the pages by hand, the telegraph coming off the rolls in 1903. Um, and it's really interesting to me because my, one of my great grandfathers was, um, uh, an engineer on the presses uh and um yeah just lo- i just love the photos and there's a brilliant uh typo in there because <laughs> uh the gurney are always doing it it's um a daily mail type typesetter in the 1930s but typesetter is sti- type stetter <laughs> <laughs> they did that on purpose um, Do you think they did that just to keep up their reputation if if they did if the su- sub sub editor did that it's you know Hats well off. done, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the couple of pictures above that of the huge rolls of paper. Yeah. Which are just bonkers. Which, the, have, um, which have been obviously come off a ship at somewhere like Bermondsey yeah. uh, and dragged uh you know, dragged over on a steam on a steam engine. Yeah. In York, I don't know if it's still there, but the Yorkshire Evening Press offices used to be right on the river. And they obviously the paper used to get delivered by um barge. And then hauled up straight into the printing presses. You can see why. I don't know if one of those fell on your foot. Um, and you could yeah, never get a, never get a toilet roll big enough, could you, a toilet holder? <laughs> no. No, cracking pictures. Yeah, this is weird. The mystery of the ballet on the moon. Um, there's a 1950s space film called Destination Moon. Um which I have seen, and actually not that, um, not that long ago. I think Robert Heinlein, Heinlein um, wrote the story it was based on. But there's this picture of two ballet dancers, and they are performing a, I don't know, a, a jeté or something across the set of Destination Moon. And nobody knows why. Um, there's uh, William Higgins, a radiation safety physicist at the Fermi National Acceler- Accelerator Laboratory in Illinois, found this photograph seven years ago. And he's um, trying to find out, how, you know, what the circumstances were that there were ballet dancers um, uh, dancing on this film set. And he, he doesn't know. It's one of 86... Uh, Life magazine photographs taken by Alan Grant. Um, 
Yeah. And it's just it's just another little mystery like this. And no but, one knows. They're not in zero gravity suits though, are they? They're not. So they'd be dead. More <laughs> <laughs> we'll fool them. So you wrote to me earlier this week saying um something about secret places. <laughs> what what got you onto that? We did a wedding last Saturday at Lursley Park, which is a stately home out near Guildford, between sort of Guildford and Godalming. Um, and just down the road, I used to live in Godalming, just down the road is a place called, a little village called Compton. And in Compton, there's a place called the Watts Memorial Cemetery and Chapel. And I've been there quite a few times. And it's one of the most surprising and beautiful places I've ever been to in Britain. And I love everything about it, from the way it looks to the kind of feeling you get when you first see it um, to the story behind it. Um, so I thought it's it's kind of one of those places that's you almost wouldn't, you know, if it didn't exist, you'd really have to sort of stretch yourself to to invent it because it's sort of so curious in its its look and it's the reason for it being there. Um, and I thought there's lots of places like that that are curious or secret or little hidden places that you kind of stumble across or you hear about um, uh, or you read an article, you know, about a place and you think, wow, I, you know, I, I didn't even know that existed or, or, or sometimes you might even read it and think, oh, wow, that's, that's real. I didn't think that was a real thing. Or, um, so I thought it'd be a, a decent little topic for tonight's show, kind of secret places or little magical places that we've heard about or read about or visited. It's such a great topic because it uh, brings back childhood memories, which is always, you know, a good place yeah. to start researching and uh, and sort of the obsession of secret passages and hidden codes and all that kind of stuff. But it's also fascinating because uh, there are so many and so many in your life that you could possibly visit that are secret. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I love that. I love that kind of that hidden moment um, or, you know, in a, wall, a walled garden or anything like that. It's just f- to me is just absolutely fascinating. But more importantly, is wh- why do you think we're fascinated with that kind of secret place what what is it that is so appealing is it is it generally appealing or is it just appealing to you and me because we're <laughs> geeky squares i don't know i think on a i think one of the reasons i love it I and mean, we talked a lot about last week about world building and a lot of those illustrators that we talked about were kind of creating worlds and you know creating places that we you know in your dreams and fantasies as a kid you'd want to visit and i think there's an element of that that just hangs on throughout your life that's you know these places are an escape from uh the mundane and you know the kind of the normality of of life um and a little they're little doorways into a another place like a little magical world it's i mean it's escapism but in a i don't know in a geographical sense you think if you're interested in, you know, fantasy or science fiction, it's that it's that gateway, isn't it, between the real mm. and the unreal. And as a kid, you know, 
or even now, you know, picking up a pen and being able to draw something that takes you into another world where you're creating either spaceships or fantasy or, you know, yeah. just even designing, well, anything like that is that uses the imagination where you're not following guidelines <laughs> um, <laughs> that it gives you that opportunity to, to bridge those, you know, the gap between reality and, um, and fantasy. And these are little portals that might, that might do that. Yeah. It's um, funny you call them sort of portals because a lot of books touch on that, don't they? Like Tom's midnight garden or the China Mayville city in the city or uh, Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere. you know, about these places that almost coexist. Um, yeah alongside our own and you can only uh, like Brigadoon you can only visit them you know under certain circumstances or at certain times or you know if you're lucky or blessed in some way well this is in our primal um especially as British uh, uh people you know it's it's in our primal makeup isn't it the the seasonal aspect to worship and you've got all the period the four periods around the year um when the spirit world rubs up against um the real world yeah. so therefore the famous ones are you know obviously halloween or yeah uh all hallows eve and then you've got on the other side lammas which is the springtime which is now easter um and what other ones in between you've got winter and, and summer but the main the main yeah. one is hallow all hallows eve isn't it when when mm. spirits escape through that that kind of that crossing over and um and that's where what we've we're absolutely inbuilt to respond to that aren't we in terms of either fascination or fascination of horror you know um yeah. fear and uh you know you can't resist touching the wet paint or you know, or trying to start the car <laughs> or, you know, we're in a horror film or, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever people do, the cliched things. It's, um, it is just it is. that fascination with the date with dangerous, um, or Yvette Fielding in whatever that I'm, I'm a ghost to get me out of here. <laughs> uh, yes. It so, is. yeah, I think as a kid, I was, I was fascinated with it. And I think, you know, if I think really far back, it's kind of famous five starts, that one with the, you know, in the first book, I think they there's a tunnel underneath to mm. the island, and uh, I was after that I was always looking for secret tunnels or secret passages or, um, you know, anything anything that was that was slightly you know, clandestine. Yeah. When I was a kid, my uh, grand and granddad were caretakers, living caretakers at this place called West Huntington Hall, which was right next to the church that my parents got married in in Huntington, New York. Um, I guess this house was built mid to late 1800s. Um, and there was a, like a trapdoor in one of the, one of the corridors upstairs in like what would have been the servants quarters, which was now offices. And it went down this little, uh, kind of secret place between two walls, and it came out in one of the bathrooms on the ground floor, and it was the weirdest thing. And I used to, I used to absolutely love, love that. I used to always, well, as soon as I got there, I used to run off. I used to go there on a weekend when all the people who had been turned into offices, and all the office was empty, and I used to go running around and always disappear down this secret passageway. Really? Yeah. That's that's brilliant. And what yeah, was it, it was used great. for? It was. Um, a civil engineering office. No, I, actually, I mean, 
uh, well, the, the secret, secret passage. I've why, no idea. Why was it there? No idea. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess maybe it was a way for servants to get from one place to another. Ah, right. Okay. Quickly without using, but it wasn't like a you know you get a servant's staircase, don't you? Which is just usually steep and winding, but this was even you know smaller than that. That's brilliant. Hmm. Yeah. But, um, so the first place uh, on my list of magical places I've already mentioned is the Watts Cemetery Chapel in Compton. Um, and you've been there, haven't you? No, I haven't. No. Haven't you? Oh, I no. thought you had. No, the in-laws have been there and uh, okay. rave about so, it. So, you know, beautiful English village, Compton, couple of thatched cottages, couple of kind of Tudor barn type things. Um, and then this amazing bright red brick Romanesque um, chapel that looks like it should be on a Tuscan hillside. Um, kind of sits uh, halfway up a hill uh, in a cemetery. Uh, and it's absolutely ornate um, around this, this kind of exterior reliefs carved into the brickwork. The doorway is astonishingly intricate with this great oak door, which again is carved. It wouldn't look out of place out of in Lord of the Rings. Um, it's got a campanile like you'd get in Tuscany. Um, and it's just remarkable. I, when I first saw it, you know, I remember thinking, God, you can just see it through the yew trees in the cemetery from the road. Um, yeah, God, that looks strange. And then you visit for the first time and you find out what it is and it just gets even more remarkable so it's beautiful from the outside and you walk up to it and you push the doors open and it's quite dark inside but you know it's lit and it's got stained glass windows and you walk in and it absolutely blows you away the interior is decorated it's basically a round chapel with a vaulted roof and it's completely decorated with sort of plaster work, really brightly coloured Art Nouveau decorative plaster work. And it's just mind-blowing. I mean, it's, it's just, it takes your breath away. And the history behind it is there's a, a Victorian painter called George Watts um, who lived nearby. His house um, is two minutes down the road, I think it's called Limnalise, which again sounds like something out of Lord of the Rings. And that was his house and chapel. And he was kind of in the, him and his wife um, were part of the arts and crafts movement and the Home Arts and Industries Association, which was not something I knew about, um, which was set up in the late 1880s. Um, and it encouraged handicrafts among the lower classes. And the chapel was George Watts uh, and his wife, Mary Fraser Teitler. It was their contribution to this, this movement. And they taught the women of the village of Compton um, crafts and pottery and um, how to make these reliefs and everything. It's, it's just... Um, it's just incredible. So there's this amazing Art Nouveau um, 
interior that's all being produced by kind of lower class Victorian women. And it's beautiful and just remarkable. Um, and the churchyard is full of really gorgeous gravestones as well. There's lots of kind of Art Nouveau stuff. George Watson, Mary, uh, Tytler Watts have both got lovely um, monuments in the cemetery. Aldous Huxley is buried there. Um, wow. And it's it's just fantastic. It's, it's, it's just one of my favourite places in Britain. Oh, I must go. Uh, definitely got it in my list of things to do. Um, yeah, it's like 10 minutes off the A3. Right, so it's not far from me at all. Yeah. Um, similar to that is one that sometimes if you're travelling uh, in your neck of the woods um, and if you were driving out towards Isleworth through St Margaret's, yeah. you might see poking above one of the garden walls as you drive through sort of classic Victorian suburbia, a mausoleum poking up. Above so one look of, for this at the weekend. If you've never seen it, you will notice never it. Seen it. It's called the Kilmory Mausoleum, and I've actually never been in there, but I have climbed the wall and looked in, and um, <laughs> it's open occasionally. Uh, and it's literally a mausoleum in the middle of, uh, imagine just Victorian back streets, um, but in an Egyptian style. It is quite astonishing uh, and quite spooky looking. Mm. Um, it was built um, by... Uh, when was it built? In the 1850s uh, by the second Earl of Kilmarie. And um, it, his uh, mistress died in 1854 and was buried in there. And he was buried later, way later, like nearly 30 years later. Um, but apparently it's got incredible sculptures and all sorts of things like that. But, you know, it's so busy around there, so much traffic, uh, because you've only got that that one road that can go over the bridge to Richmond. Yeah that you just wouldn't know it was there. And uh, it's really beautiful. Um, yeah, really, really beautiful. So if you get if you live around there and you get a chance, um, I think it's open once or twice a year um, and you can go. I, I, th- I think it's very irregular. You'd have to um, get in touch with Richmond Council, I think, to see if yeah. it is. Yeah, well, I'm definitely going to look that up. Yeah, it's always one when I was drunk walking home, you know, you try and climb into, but the wall was always too big and too wide. But I yeah. definitely, you know, and I'm only about four foot three, so um, it's, it's tricky. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote down a quick list of all the things that I have been to. If we're talking about death still. Um, yes. On my honeymoon, we... <laughs> Yeah, talking about the end of an era, um, we went to Palermo, which is um, the capital of Sicily. I don't know if it's, is it the capital? I don't know if it's the capital. But Let's just say it is. It's an incredible city uh, and well worth uh, visiting. It's hot and dirty and stuff. I said this before about Palermo. No, uh, there are still bullet holes from the Second World War and bomb damage and, you know, mess everywhere. But uh, just outside um, are what are called the um, the Catacomb dei Cappuccini. And they are catacombs and they are lined with about 8,000 corpses and mummies. Um, Jeez. That have all been preserved. And you it's really gruesome. You go and it's obviously rather yeah. macabre and exploitative. But Perfect you go... Anyway. Yeah, so we walked up there in the blazing heat and um, went down into the catacombs, which are 
there's no that you just buy a ticket and then you just walk down there's no guide or anything like that and you just start coming into these entering into these rooms some of them are in quite good nick some of them are in a terrible nick and then some of them are just rooms just piled with bodies um and not just like uh osseries where you know where you just got mm. skeleton oh. they're, they're the whole thing um and um and some of them are in their sunday best and then there are rooms where there are alcoves and what you could do if you were a good denizen of the uh of palermo in the 19th predominantly the 19th century i think um you could book your time uh you know your slot for when (laughs) when the reaper came you would then be placed into one of these alcoves but the people actually went there after church and stood in the alcoves to test it out (laughs) what sort of measuring up for size yeah measuring themselves up for size and um there's a nun one which is barred off to stop them being interfered with and there is a children one which is really really grim Um, and the last one that went in there i think she i think it was like the 1920s and 1930s and she's really well preserved because they're they're almost like mummified and she died of uh, she called rosie i think i'm not looking oh yeah that's on the yeah she died of scarlet fever yeah she looks like well she looks like a little girl who's just gone to sleep yesterday yeah you just feel it's it's not you know i didn't realize really the extent of how many bodies were down there um and it's obviously really hidden away you wouldn't know it was it was the city's so jumbled anyway but it's not like it's a big tourist attraction mm. uh but it is um definitely somewhere worth visiting if you go there but i didn't feel very good about going there it's it, you feel like you're intruding on something yeah um, but these people wanted to be seen and wanted to be you know, they still in their, you know, in their Sunday best. Like a status symbol. Yeah, it really was like a status symbol. It's kind of like a memorial to, you know, well, like a memento mori, really, um, yeah. that you get in English cathedrals. Wow, it's incredible. Yeah. Catacombs are a weird thing, aren't they? And particularly a European thing, isn't it? There aren't really any in... Do they have that thing in Britain? How many catacombs? What, as in... Uh, well, a lot Odyssey most or uh, most of them were destroyed in the Reformation, weren't they? So there yeah. were there were lots and lots of them. But uh, I think there was one at Exeter Cathedral, and uh, but the, you know they they've either been buried or um, yeah. or you know reinterred somewhere else. Oh, okay, um, you imagine that we've cleared out quite a lot of that, yes. that stuff. Old old yes. Henry. <laughs> uh, well, from that, from uh, something old and uh, skeletal um, come to something much more modern um, the Ponte City Apartments which were built in 1975 in Johannesburg and from the outside they just look like any skyscraper it's, um, it's the tallest residential skyscraper in Africa 55 stories, cylindrical building and it looks like it kind of reminds me of something you see in San Francisco, like the isn't there a, a record company that's got in San Francisco that's got a um, cylindrical headquarters, I think. Um, but the weird thing about this is the fact that within sort of ten years of it being built, it had fallen into complete decay. Um, gangs. Uh, had moved in, the crime rate had gone through the roof. Um, gangs moved into the building, 
Uh, and at one point, it was it was so falling into decay that the in the middle of it, it's uh, so it's a cylinder in the middle of it. It's open an open atrium from the floor to the top, so a fifty five story atrium, and it was ten to fifteen stories high of rubbish and waste in the middle. Um, and it was the inspiration for Peachtree Tower in the Dread film. Also, I was just going to say, this sounds like the Dread film. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's remarkable. There's a guy called, uh, oh, I can't actually remember his name. He's on Instagram. He's Paper Dandy. And he's a an amazing paper, cut paper artist. Makes incredibly intricate pictures of like Star Wars scenes from one single sheet of paper. And he's in South Africa and he's, he's got a bunch of pictures of, uh, of inside the, um, inside the apartments. And it's just really just bizarre. Um, but fascinating that something so quickly became, you know, something else. Um, well, I, I went there in, um, mid, 90s yeah mid 90s my dad lived in johannesburg okay and uh he worked in central johannesburg and um i've i was i don't know what i was expecting when i when i went out there but um the middle of johannesburg is like there's you know a zombie apocalypse has happened or you know it it was you know 10 years before was a um thriving city center and when mm. i went there it was empty grass growing between you know slabs and it was i was shocked and um he used to hang out in hillsbrow uh or hillbrow i think it's called yeah it's like the most roughest nastiest place i've ever been to in my life he loved it there and um, had lots of friends there ne'er do wells and um uh, yeah, and uh, I spent one night there, which was probably the most terrifying of my entire life. Um, wow. Yeah, we got stopped with, uh, well, we got driven off the road by um, a guy with automatic weapon. Um, yeah, it was a, a bizarre night. But um, yeah, it's not a nice place, and I can imagine why it was, <laughs> why it's like that. I don't remember that building in particular. I don't, I, you don't? I don't remember. No, I don't remember skyscraper at all. Because um, that's in that. That's in Hillbrook. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, my my mate um, Andrew won't mind me telling this story. He's a journalist, and he writes. Well, he has years ago used to write a lot of the Lonely Planet guides, and Ooh. he did he did South Africa, and he did I don't know how many thousand fifty something ridiculous, some ridiculous thou, tens of thousands of miles around South Africa, and um, I think he might have done um, Zimbabwe as well. But he um, he he came back to Central Johannesburg literally got off the train at Hillsbrow and got mugged. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, it was the place when I was there, it was the highest murder rate in the world. I don't think it is anymore, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a dangerous place. I wouldn't recommend yeah. it. No. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, no, I love the fact that that is a total, that's totally the inspiration for, uh, for dread. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Mm. Uh, and from that, something else that I discovered through, Fiction, which was through one of William Gibson's books. I can't remember which one. Uh, I think it was one of William Gibson's books, uh, which is Kowloon Walled City, which no longer exists. Um, it was knocked down in the mid-90s, I think. 
Um, and that's another place that if it hadn't have existed, you'd have struggled to invent it for a work of fiction. It's, um, it's like a square mile of, of kind of high rise, not, not slum, but ungoverned, unregulated sort of building in Hong Kong. Um, and it's, it literally kind of occupied this, this square site and it was just built kind of, I don't know, building upon building upon building. Um, and it was full of, in the sort of fifties and seven to the seventies and eighties, it was controlled by the triads and it was, you know, rife with prostitution and gambling, um, and it's, I just find the fact that it existed fascinating because it was such a, like 30, 40,000 people lived there. Um, and you can't imagine the kind of combination of sort of squalor and deprivation and, and everything else that must have gone on there. But equally, it must have been, you know, a real home to so many of those people who've been there for years. It's quite. Uh, I can imagine why, because it, it's quite close to the Chinese border, there, isn't it? And I imagine mm. the British left it well alone, so it became kind of like a, again, a sort of uh, a, a place in between two cultures that didn't yeah. really exist for each other. Uh, it was originally a Chinese fort, apparently. Right. Okay. Yeah, because it's quite yeah, it's quite far. It's it's absolutely brilliant. I love it, and I love the the um, the pictures of the old alleys and stuff in there. Cause yeah, they, they really are. Um, you know, an artist's dream, aren't they? Really, bits yeah, of clothing very, hanging and wires and cables and yeah, it's, it's very, very sort of Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I can't remember which. I'll I'll dig it out and put it in the show notes. But I think it's a William Gibson book um, where one of the protagonists lives in Calden Wall City, and he has like a virtual, his kind of virtual world is a virtual recreation of Kowloon Walled City as well, um, where he kind of stores everything. That's weird, isn't it? I n- I've never heard of it. Um, when I went to Hong Kong, um, there was a place there that was like a secret. It was called Tiger Balm Gardens. Um, okay. And it was a really weird, like these weird, brightly coloured sculptures that you could get go inside, like dragons and things like that, and you could walk through. Um, and I think it got that got torn down and destroyed um for you know high rise flats or whatever um but yeah you want to check check that i think it was called tiger balm gardens mm. um, i think there was one in singapore as well you you haven't been there though have you i haven't no just one of those places that's always fascinated me in some ways it feels a little bit wrong to be fascinated by some of these places didn't like you said it felt like an intrusion when you were in the catacombs and it feels a little bit wrong to kind of be fascinated by Kowloon Walled City given its its sort of history and the squalor, you know, to be fascinated by something that, you know, it must have been awful to live there. But yeah. By now it's a park. <laughs> well talking of somewhere that would have been really nice is somewhere I visited um when I was working for the studio. Um we we were working for a property developer um and they got involved with Disney who were developing golf resorts and all sorts of things, right. buying up loads of, uh, you know, 
country estates all over Europe. And one of the places that they went to, uh, wanted to buy, and I think it fell through because they went bust, not Disney, but Buena, uh, Buena Vista Hotels or something like that, yep. um, uh, is in Savernake Forest, which is Marlborough, Wiltshire way, I think. Um, and it's a house called Tottenham House. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's an amazing stately home. Anyway, we were sent there and uh, had no idea. You know, we just thought we were meeting a client and going to a marketing suite. But it turns out we were being taken to this stately home that had been in disrepair for, well, it had been a boarding school in the 70s, I think, but had, you know, not been looked after very well. And we got there and it had a caretaker who was a lady just looking at there. There were people that have um, occupations that just look after rotting stately homes and they just live there as like sort of living caretakers. Yeah. But this place, you know, the upstairs, all the sit, all the roofs had gone. Um, and uh, we'd got there and Radiohead had just left. They were, re- they'd recorded in Ray, in rainbows i think they just recorded some of that there they'd lived in like airstream uh caravans in the garden but all the kitchen gardens were still there but they were totally overgrown and um and i just spent the whole day there just wandering around on my own with a camera it was just brilliant but sadly my camera card broke um and i never got the pictures off of it Oh, that's sinister. <laughs> yeah, but um, it was just an amazing place. It had a bath that um, I think George the Third went there, and they'd built a bathroom, but he he never turned up. So it was it was like a giant sort of marble bath that he was going to get into, um, as 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 you want to, you know, when you when you're invited somewhere, you just want to get in a big bath, don't you, in front of everybody? Yeah, of course. But yeah, Savernake, um, definitely well worth checking out. Uh, did you go around the forest as well which looks amazing as well full of no. old oaks you know rarely old oaks like a an ancient forest looks no wonderful. i didn't yeah mm. we drove through it but um yeah. yeah the place was astonishing yeah but it looks great but it is one of those things where um you know i that fascination continued even when I moved to London, you know, the lost stations of London and some, some, some South London gardens in the back are old stations, aren't they? And old stands. Um, I love the the fact that, sorry to put in, but some of the house fronts you see are fake. Yes. I wrote that down as well. (laughs) Oh God. I love those. You know, you have to look for the houses that whose doors have no door knockers because it's just a, a front that backs onto like a railway cut or something, isn't it? To, to keep the whole um, facade of the, the sort of Georgian buildings or something. Yeah, on it, on any of the early early tubes, the cut and cover ones, where they yeah. just literally dug a hole and then built the road back over the top of it. So yeah, some of them are roads, aren't they? They tend to be north. Well, they are mostly North London, aren't they? But yes. they're sort of below Paddington Way. Yeah. Um, on the Circle yes. District. That, no, Circle. Just, they're on the yeah. Is it David Aranovich who wrote? Oh, he's Ben, written, ben, Aran- ben is written the Rivers of London. One yeah. of the books there is about the underground. It does. Yeah. Have you read? Have you read his stuff? I love his stuff. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's yeah. brilliant. He's got a graphic novel out as well. Um, oh, I thought that was just a drawing. I, no, no, there's ah. a graphic novel, but I don't know if it tells the same story as one of the books or not. Oh, I don't I'm care. I'm going to read that. <laughs> yeah, I've really enjoyed them all. Uh, I really loved the um, uh, the one that was set in Elephant Castle the most, which I think mm. was the last one I read. Um, but yeah, if you yeah, haven't read those, read they're great. One. They're kind of like Doctor Who meets Sherlock Holmes um, meets 
what i don't know kind of like just uh the bill yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah it's a tiny department of the the metropolitan police that deals with magic um but yeah brilliant 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 books and he's fascinated with things like that isn't he secret yeah. places that have been transformed um generally by magical powers but yeah sad, it was sad, pre- sadly none of these do have magical powers no, it's great reading his books because you you kind of you know you keep coming across places you know. Like he talks about um, the little down by Richmond and the by the riverside, the kind of weird little uh, grottos in the riverside, and in the books they're supposed to be um, inhabited by trolls. <laughs> Which is great. You kind of want to go back there. All you'll find is a homeless person. But yeah, quite well, we, romantic. Well, I I went to. Um, I went to school in Windsor Castle and um, as you do uh, and um, in, we uh, in the gardens of Windsor Castle, there were ice houses, but we, we convinced us they were, we convinced ourselves because Windsor's on a cliff and you wouldn't know it because it's covered in wood, heavy wood, yeah. but it's actually on a really steep cliff. So they cut all the ice houses into the uh, riverbank so that they could then drag the ice in. And then that was dragged up into the castle. We thought they were witches, huts you know like little holes so going down these tunnels when we were kids um was very very frightening but again that was that just you know added fuel to the fire well you must have had quite a lot of fuel if you (laughs) were at school in windsor castle you've always mentioned the fact that you went to school in windsor you you've always left off that last bit the (laughs) castle (laughs) yeah Uh, i didn't realize quite how uh near the mark the hogwarts thing was yeah. Well, I, yeah, I went to, um, it's called St. George's. It's where the choristers for the Queen go. Yes. And the school kind of sits in between the, the, the outside and the inside of the castle. Wow. So we had access, you know, just to literally run riot inside the, uh, inside the, the grounds. Amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Having come, from, go- having come from the local state school. Yeah. Did you go to, um, did you go to St. George's Chapel every Sunday for, no, I wasn't Service, a boarder. Right? I was a date, you know, I, I walked oh, okay. home. But yeah, we used to go there. Yeah. We were sort of honorary um, Knights of the Garter, apparently. Wow. Um, yeah, met the Queen a lot. How <laughs> <laughs> you never mentioned that? I don't know. It's just, I just don't talk about private school. <laughs> oh. Yeah, very privileged. And yeah, uh, sounds yeah, amazing. It was a brilliant school. Uh, there was only 80 kids when I went there. Yeah. Wow. Uh, How appropriate that should come up tonight. Yeah. Well, there were secret passages in the school that allegedly went up into the school, into the thing. And we, we had um, the prefect's room was called the Nautilus because it was underneath. Uh, all, all the houses were named after boats because it was an old hospital for naval officers. And um, well, why, why they'd be in Windsor? It's a long way from the coast, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. But uh, so the Nautilus was underground and there was there was... Um, there were rumours that that was where this one of the secret passages went from. Um, but my, my stepfather was, is an architect, so he worked quite a lot in the castle um, during the 80s. And they ha- they found tunnels that could take a wagon um, wow. down to the riverbank, yeah, which had now been filled in. But they are there. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And I used to just imagine that they snake their way down to my house, obviously. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> As you would. Yeah. Uh, well, the last thing on my list... Um, is the um, the snail house in Venice. Have you been to Venice, John? No. So I've been to Venice a couple of times, three times. 
Um, and it's one of my favorite places. And again, I've said it a couple of times, one of those places you couldn't invent if it didn't already exist, you know, the history and the, the reasons that have led to it looking the way it does are just astonishing. Um, and, and Venice is full of these amazing secret places. You know, the best thing to do in Venice is you get lost and just walk around and, and discover weird little courtyards or neglected churches. And it's utterly magical. Um, and this place isn't that much of a secret. You know, it's in most of the guidebooks in Venice, but it's just so bizarre that I thought it was worth mentioning. It's the Palazzo Contarini del Bavolo, um, known as the Snail House. And it's um, it's a strange palazzo. So this strange house in Venice with a spiral staircase with a kind of arched, almost sort of colonnaded windows that go all the way up and round it. And it leads off, and each kind of level leads off to like a, a colonnaded arcade on one side. Okay. Uh, and it's just remarkable. You kind of disappear down a couple of alleyways and through a narrow sort of covered courtyard and you come out into this little garden and there it is on your right-hand side, this just remarkable building. We couldn't go in it when I went there. I don't know if it's open to the public um, often. Um, oh, actually, looking at it, it is. It's been open to the public since February this year. But it's just one of the most remarkable, sort of fantastical-looking buildings that I've ever seen. Um, it looks, like it, looks like it shouldn't be able to stand up. Exactly. It's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. The photograph is foreshortening the, the perspective quite badly, so I can't really see what it's... Yeah, it's really strange because like. it feels, when you when you see it, you feel like it's much more enclosed than that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a remarkable thing. And uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a beautiful that's a beautiful thing. Well, some yeah. my my last one that I did is another memory of when I was at university. We went to Wells Cathedral one day, and it was one of the most privileged days I've ever ever spent, um, because we were taken by one of the wardens there into the secret parts of the of the cathedral. And if you haven't yeah. been to Wells Cathedral, it is the most I think the most impressive of all English cathedrals. In I term, love Wells Cathedral. It's just phenomenal. The uh, the building work in there, the the central arch is something else. It's like it's modern art inside. It really is sensational. And the facade is pretty well preserved. It hasn't been. Uh, you know, it's not like um, Winchester, my local one, which is a little bit, you know, it's quite worn. This is pretty well preserved. Anyway, we went, we were, we were taken up into, you know, the side bits and um, we were taken into the front of the cathedral. And there's a passageway that runs between the um, the front, sort of above the front door. And there are tiny little holes all along the front of the cathedral. And it creates a sound effect. So they used to ha- apparently... Um, this is what we were told by the uh, the guide, but they said that um, the choirs would stand in there and sing so that when people were approaching the cathedral, they thought that it was the saints that were on the front wow. of the building. They thought because they were painted, you know, medieval yeah, cathedrals yeah. were painted realistic colors um, and they thought that they were singing. And we just, you know, laughed at this. And so we started pretending to obviously <laughs> I got into a lot of trouble for this, but I, I started saying, you know, quietly out, out into the out of these little um 
basically what happens is there's little holes and then there's a wall behind you and basically it it um it takes the sound and it just massively reverberates it out of these little tiny almost like speaker cones um and so by speaking there people could hear you right down on the front so i was saying um this is god speaking to you (laughs) (laughs) and these tourists were spinning round, and you could literally talk in almost a whisper and people would hear you it was absolutely astonishing um and then we were taken up into a room that was the they found that was the old builders like the master builders room it was a little a little room off of this uh off of one of these side bits up in the roof and um what they discovered is all the it was graffiti on the wall and all the graffiti were mathematical um uh, equations of you know calculating spans and arches and all sorts of things like that and on the floor they used to scribe the what they were going to cast or what they were going to cut in in one-to-one scale and they discovered that these were screeded over every so often. So the drawings were done and then they were screeded over. And they oh, yeah. discovered that, you know, the last one that was set was a piece, um, you know, of a of a top of an arch or something like yeah. that. And the guy who was researching it had never found what, you know, wh- where this piece went. And he was doing the washing up one day. He lived in the cloisters and looked out and his the window that he was looking out, he realized was the <laughs> was the actual piece that was set in oh, there. Fantastic. Um, I don't know if that's apocryphal, but it's a fantastic story. And it kind of like sums up why exploring secret places is so, <laughs> so yeah. fascinating for me. But yeah, it was such a privilege. And uh, if you haven't been to Wells Cathedral, I really, really recommend it. It's, it's just... Amazing. Really beautiful scissor arches, hasn't it? Yeah, it's like a figure of eight. Amazing. And just really how beautiful. they built that I, I, yeah. without, you know, cranes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just very, astonishing. Very quickly, because we're going... Yeah, we're way, way over. Time. But um, in, my, uh, in my other job as a floristry assistant, we get to go to quite some lovely places, setting up weddings. Um, and we've, we've done weddings in St. Paul's and we get to wander around in the crypt, uh, when no one else is there, which is amazing. We, we set up a wedding at St. Michael's Abbey in Farnborough. There was a lovely monk there. And I think Steph was putting the flowers together at the front of this, uh, the, the abbey there. Uh, and the, the monk who was on Twitter turned to me and said, do you want to see Napoleon's body or Napoleon's tube? Oh, you are. He said, oh, it's Napoleon the Third, not, you know, not the Napoleon. Um, but yeah, Napoleon the Third and his wife and son are all buried in Farnborough Abbey, St. Michael's Abbey in Farnborough. Um, so yeah, we went down to the crypt and he told me all about their life. And it's, there's so many beautiful little places like that and moments that if you kind of, you know, explore and open your eyes and and look around you that are available to you yeah well get it get out there and yeah. uh and tell us your favorite places that you yeah, what are your favorite secret place brilliant marvelous pies yeah should we skip straight to pies what Let's have you go got pies. i've got a higgity pie i didn't have much time to go shopping today so i've got a higgity pie it's a beef and stilton with a, a root vegetable mash on top (laughs) (laughs) so it's not a pastry top so i guess there's there's some that's uh, a question (laughs) there is a question as to whether it's well you know it's what's a fish pie then 
Well, fish pie we, pie? we haven't gone. You had to do this. We've run out of time. You can't suddenly go to the whole pie debate. Okay, we'll discuss um, that next week. But time. I think next week I'm going to come on with a quiche and you should come on with <laughs> potato fish top pie. Okay, right. But, I'm just going in for this. Oh, it's so hot. <laughs> it's really hot. It's good, though. I do like beef and Stilton. Yeah, it goes really well, doesn't it? Mm. That's actually really good because the, the pie's got masses of gravy in it. Um, so it's not too dry. And the, the kind of sweet or turnip and potato mash was actually quite good. Excellent. Uh, and I'm, I'm washing it down with a Fuller's ESB, which is quite strong. I normally go for like a, yeah, that's a strong the weakest one I can find, but this is 5.9, which is good. But the pie's going to um, get a healthy seven. Ah, well, I've got, I've gone off piste. Uh, Jess went out and got me a pie because I'd forgotten to get one. Um, so she's been up to co-op and they sell sort of local. Um, sorry, I'm off the mic there. They sell local produce. Well, it's not really very local because it's from a local West pie Su- for local people. Yeah, West Sussex, which is miles away. But um, they it's a potato, cheese, and onion pie, which is called a homerty pie, uh, and um, it's from Nelly's Farm. Um, and this is technically the same as yours because I've just opened it and there's no crust to it. It's just cheese on top. So it's it's literally like uh, um was potatoes in a pie dish. That's so, never a bad thing. Yeah, I'm going in. <laughs> it didn't look that good, but it's it's absolutely delicious. There, yeah. the vegetarian pie. Mm. Is that our first? No, you did a. You've already done a veggie one. All right. Well, this is the top one. This is really good. The pastry yeah. is really soggy though. Mm. But it's. I'm starving, so it's going to be. It's going to be. Um. It's going to be a seven. Ah, good. And uh, I've got a uh, just a bottle of Storopramen. Oh, yeah, Stroppy Garmin, as we used to call it. Yeah. <clears throat> so marvelous, delicious. Mm. I'm looking forward to finishing this off. That well, John, really it was good. lovely to talk to you about secret places. Yeah. And once again, if you're listening and you've got uh, an amazing secret place that you think only you know about, feel free to share it with our thousands of listeners. <laughs> I think you're probably safe to share it with our dozens of listeners. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah. But, um, well, we're having fun. So that's all that matters. <laughs> we Absolutely. hope you we hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> um, really good to talk to you again. Yeah, you too. Anything? <clears throat> any plans for the weekend? We're, we're, this is our longest ever podcast. <laughs> is it brilliant? Yeah. Um, it'll be drawing, and yeah. then design stuff. Yeah, so mostly working. All right. Well, that's I'll all. drop I'll drop you some messages just to annoy you. Cool, fantastic. I'll look forward to it. All right, all right. take all care right. of yourself. We're no good for making time in this life. Giant stars. What have I? Uh, 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 uh. <laughs>